wisdom and grace. Everything today that is contradictory to your kingdom will bow its knee. I thank you, Lord, today that by the Spirit we can bind the mind of the saints to the mind of Christ and the will of the saints to the will of God. Father, everything that would contradict, distort, and misrepresent you today would come down and bow its knee. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the anointing today. Father, I pray that you give the people ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and doing at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. The message I got this morning, which I want to share with you, is about God's process, or you call it process. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Uh, I'm not sure if many people are aware of the fact that God has them in a process. And I'm going to use your word because that way you'll understand me. If I use process, people say, what is that? You guys don't have a sense of humor, do you? It's too early in the morning. <laughs> too late, yeah. Well, God has a, a process in which he takes us through once we come into the kingdom. A lot of the things that we're discovering and finding today is that we're in God's process. He has got us there. He has brought us there. He has delivered us to that situation. You go through the Bible, every single great person that had any expression in the kingdom went through God's process was dealt with. Joshua, I mean Joseph, David, every single one of them went through a process where they were stripped uh, time and time and time again. Jesus even went through the process himself. So, you know, when people think that it's going to be easy to ride, once you come into the kingdom, you need to understand when you give your life to Christ, you hand over the title deed of who you are to him, and you no longer have authority and control of your own life. Contrary to what many people think. So no matter what choices or decisions you make, you will, you will go on this process. Let me just, if I can, share a scripture with you in the starting of the book of Isaiah. Uh, chapter 49, verse 1 and 2. Listen to me, O island, and pay attention. You people from afar, the Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named me and he has made me... He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. He has also made me a select arrow, and he has hidden me in his quiver. That all speaks about very intimate things. God has called you from your mother's womb. He's made you. He's got you in the quiver of his, uh, like an arrow in his quiver. He's got you in his hand. So some of the things that you're going through nowadays really are just because of God's process. This is what I say to people when they talk to me. The journey that you're walking in life is, a tie, is joined to the assignment that you're called to. You have to walk the journey that equips you for your assignment. If you're called to an assignment in God that has to do with uh, great things, you will suffer great things. <laughs> and that's not a very comfortable gospel to preach, but that's the truth. You know, when you look at guys like Paul, at the things that Paul had to suffer at the hands of different situations, and God said that he would suffer these things so he could experience the things of the kingdom. But Paul great, brought great dimensions forth in the power of God that we don't even see today in the church. But he suffered great things to be able to walk in that power. The only way I could express it is the first thing that God does, and this is another scripture I want to give you, is in James 1, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brother, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Um, when you use the word process, I always think of the day when I was... I, in, I come from South Africa, and our military is a little bit different to yours. In South Africa, when we were... Back then we had a terrorist war going on in our country and we had um, young guys, all young guys would go to the military. They would all spend two years there. And uh, when you finish school, your immediate channel was straight into the military. So I remember one day waking up and I was no longer in my mother's house. I was in this military base and, 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 and everything changed. The whole picture changed. I remember... Jumping out of this green truck one day, and there was this big guy that was there screaming and shouting. 
And I mean, I remember the fear that was on me and my eyes were like this and, and we were all just wondering what the heck is going on because there was no conversation. It was all shouting and screaming and it was all done a double time and everything changed. And I remember one day being in my mom's home in peace, resting in my bed, sleeping till 12 o'clock, waiting for my breakfast to be brought to me, my clothes to be ironed. <laughs> and then just the next day, all hell broke loose. When this man started to scream, it didn't stop for three months. It just carried on. Everything we did was just screaming, shouting, and ranting, raving. You, you woke up. Early in the morning, you went to bed late at night, and you were woken up three or four times in the morning. You couldn't understand what this whole thing was, but what it was is they were breaking you out of your family and your mother culture, out of your home culture. And the first thing that took place was a character training. The first thing that took place is they were changing your language. Now, some of the, some of the things that God allows you to go through when you come to the kingdom is... For this, to change your language. No longer did I speak about waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning, but it was 500. Oh, 500. That's the time you wake up. No longer did you speak about running three miles. You speak about running three clicks. Your language changed. Your concepts changed. No longer did you do your own thing, but you walked in unity with other guys. You marched. You became uniform. You had your hair cut off. Everything changed. The way you ate your food changed. You know, you didn't have to sit in your, mother, in your mother's house anymore and take your time and get served. Now you had to go and serve yourself. And you were lucky if you managed to eat your food because they blow a whistle and you all run out, throw your food in the trash can, you go running. You come back and after your five-mile run, then you dish your food up out of the garbage can. So they broke you, but they broke you with a purpose to train you a new culture, a new language, a new understanding, a new dimension, a new dynamic. See, the Bible says that we are born into sin. And what happens is when you're born into this world, your Adamic nature is a sinful nature. And it's natural for you to sin. It's automatic. Who teaches a child at six months old to, to pitch a tantrum? Nobody. He learns it from you because he got it from your DNA. He got it from the Adamic nature because the Bible says all men are born into sin. So our natural nature when we come into the world is a sin nature. It's Adamic nature. When we convert and we come into the things of Christ and the kingdom, our whole language, our whole character should change. That's why God puts us in the process. You know for yourself, a woman who do cooking and that, you know that when you're busy working and you're cooking food and you put it in a food processor, it's not finished until the process is done. You know that when you work on your computer and you're writing a note on Microsoft Word, and you finish, if you don't save the document and complete the process, it's the document is not completed. So when we come into the kingdom, God takes us through the first portion, which I believe is the character process, where you learn to speak another language. You learn to have a spirit of unity. You learn to have a new dimension of faith. Everything in your dispensation changes. No longer do you think like you did when you were in the world, but you start thinking differently. Well, you're supposed to start thinking differently. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Am I talking to people who know what I'm talking about? So that's why God puts you in this process. That's why He allows you to face adversity. That's why He allows you to go through trial. That's why He allows you to do these things, because the first thing comes in, you have to exercise that faith. So here I am in the military. This big guy stands, screams, and shouts. And after a couple of weeks, it just became natural. You got up in the morning, you knew what to do. Hey, man, I learned to iron my clothes. I even learned to iron my boots with spit and polish and iron. Things I never learned at home. I learned to do things I would never have dreamed of. I learned to walk in unison with guys and agreement, walk together. I learned there was a difference between your left foot and your right foot. It was important which one you stepped off on. I know it wasn't, it's not important in the national, but really, in the military it is. Because you start walking in time. I learned things in that basic training, in that boot camp, that trained me to be able to think differently. That trained me, uh, we called it being parat. Or in other words, in English, being prepared. We were trained to be prepared. We were trained to be visually prepared. We, were rec we could reconnoiter a situation and we could say what's going on there. There was this whole change in faith. 
Everything changed. The way we saw things changed. The way we understood things changed. And it was all done through a process of character development, where God was dealing with character. In the military, they deal with character. The first thing you do when you come in, they break you down. They take away your identity as a civilian, and they give you this military identity. And then you come marching out, looking good, spit and polished, beautiful, sound clean, march together, and all sounds great. Then there comes a close to the day when your boot camp is over, and now you're in uniform and you're now a military person. That doesn't mean to say that you are ready for the battlefield yet, because the bottom line is you've just learned the basics. Then they come to you and they said, all right, now you're going to specialize. <laughs> this is where you get, listen to this, if I could take you to some scripture. Daniel 9, verse 21, 22. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening prayer, instructed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give you wisdom and understanding. The next development that you go through in your life is called skill development. Wisdom and understanding. Uh, Aren't there gifts of the Spirit that deal with that? There are? You sure? There are nine gifts of the Spirit, aren't there? Okay. There are. <laughs> Some of them wisdom. My biggest thing that I find when I go to churches and I travel around the body of Christ, Christians don't operate in wisdom at all. And they don't operate in understanding at all. But you know what? That's your nature. If you're Christ-like and if you're raised up in the things of God, you sh- these should be natural criteria. Why I use that book of Daniel, don't forget. If you go back and study the whole picture of Daniel... Daniel didn't do what us Christians do today concerning changing government and culture. We try and change government and culture today by tea parties and all that stupid stuff. doesn't have the power and authority to do that. Daniel changed the culture by withdrawing from the culture and pressing in to who he was called by. Pressing into God and waiting for the day when God would bring him in front of the man who ruled the culture, and then Daniel, by wisdom and understanding, changed that man, and that man changed the culture. See, we don't have that wisdom today as Christians. Hello? It's gone quiet in here. We take on all this crazy stuff that's going on in the body of Christ, and we think it's godly. When I finished my boot camp, they came to me one day and said, right, you're going to specialization. What's that mean? You're going to learn to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> Why? Because that's what you're training you for. Didn't have a choice. Got to another base. Another big guy built like a brick refrigerator. Scream and shout and rant and rave and carry on. And then now suddenly my language was changing. Suddenly the culture began to change because now I was going to specialization. Now there was skill development. And we did all the training, and we ran all the runs, and we did all the stuff. And, and you know the funny thing they did to us when you were at jump school? At nighttime when you were sleeping, they would come in, and they raise your bed, and they put on two cupboards, you know? So you're about 10 foot above the ground. Then they sound the alarm, and you jump out of bed. Boom. And they say, remember, every time you jump, you need to have a parachute on. So they train you sort of psychologically to remember to put your parachute on. No, I'm telling you, they're sick. They break you down again, and they retrain you, specialize you. So eventually it became a natural thing. You'd go and sleep with your parachute on. You'd do everything with your parachute on because that's, that's how you survived. And then there came the day when, when we stood in the night. Our first jump was at night. In the night, at the door of this airplane, which was a perfectly good airplane. wasn't on fire. wasn't crashing. And there was a light that went off and flashing, and you hook up, and they say, approach the door, hook up, and you're all on this stuff, and you stand there. And everybody's standing there, and it's freezing. Because don't forget, it's much colder up there than it is here. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm standing at the door, it's cold wind blowing by, what a what am I doing here? I shouldn't be jumping out of this airplane because this is not healthy. But there was a guy behind me that was nine foot tall, that was a big screaming and shout. And he had apparatus which helped me out the door. It was nine foot. <laughs> and I screamed like a girl. Ah! That's how a girl screams. And then, strangely enough, 
as I was going down and the shooters began to open, I heard, even though he wasn't there, he was in the plane, I heard the voice of the instructor in my head telling me what to do. I grabbed the chute and I pulled it up and it opened and locked. And there it was, in the freezing cold. I had specialized. I had now become a paratrooper. I was hanging in the air. I was now skilled to jump out of an airplane. Even though I screamed like a little girl as I went out the door. Nobody saw that or heard that, just me. But I was now skilled. Now I realized. And this instructor's voice continued in my head for the rest of my life. Every time I jumped out of an airplane, the memory of what he instructed came back to me. That is skill development. He's knowing what the Spirit is saying and doing at the proper time. Unfortunately, most Christians are not skilled in their area. They do not know what the Lord is doing. They do not know the movement of God. That's why God has them in a process. That's why so many people stay in the process all the time and never mature because they are immature. They drink pablum. They're like children. God has got the church in a place today in this culture where he is making a demand on us to grow up, to become specialized, to be led by the Spirit of God. It's very important to be led by the Spirit. It's a matter of life and death. I remember back in South Africa in the years when I was a young guy and our country was at war and we had terrorism all in our, in our city streets and everything going off. And I remember one day I was driving between Durban and Johannesburg because I was in the pharmaceutical business and I was in my car driving and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, turn around and go home. Hey, I'm in business. If I don't go, I don't earn. You know what I mean? God, that doesn't seem natural. I mean, this is my job. I need to be going. No, do not go. So I turned around. I came home. That night on the news, there was a, a news flash that terrorists had got up at the side of the highway, the national highway, and a machine gunned over four, uh, 40 cars and killed about 200 people. To death with AK-47s. The exact road that I was driving on at the exact time I would have been driving there. That is learning to hear. And you know, it was no problem to God about the earning. He's not concerned that because it's his obligation to take care of you. But it was the fact is if you're going to walk into a trap, he's going to warn you. And you need to be able to have the skill in your equipment to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because if I'd gone in that situation, I can guarantee you I would have been in that right in the middle of that mess. So God saved me, and then I was able to go the next day and do perfectly well. See, the problem is with us as Christians, we have not exercised these giftings. We don't realize these are the weapons of our warfare. They're mighty and strong with the pulling down of strongholds. But you need to hear. You know, the Bible says to hear uh, sacrifice... Uh, Obedience is greater than sacrifice. That word obedience is shama, which means to hear intelligently. It's far more important for you to hear intelligently what the Spirit is saying and doing than to make a mistake and have to pay for the result physically at the end of the day. A lot of stuff that I see Christians do today is what I call self-inflicted judgment. You know that you shouldn't be doing it. You know it tells you, because this thing over here just kind of like tells you, even though you're not hearing, you know when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And then you do it, and you step into it, boom, and then you cry afterwards because you have the fruit of the judgment that you have to deal with. And that's all because we are not skill developed. You're not skill developed. In other words, you've not developed your skill to hear, to discern, to know. It's very simple. It's very simple just to hear the Lord. The Bible says, my sheep, hear my voice. Okay, if you've been bought with a price, you belong to him, you are his, you basically should be hearing what he's saying to you. Now, I know there's a challenge between hearing by the Spirit and listening to your own voice. I know there's a challenge. You know, the funny thing about Eve, when she stood at the tree, and she took of the fruit afterwards when God came into the garden. This is what he said. Who has been speaking to you? 
See, you've got to watch who's, been, who's speaking to you. Is your desire speaking to you? Is delusion speaking to you? Is the culture speaking to you? Is media speaking to you? Or is the Spirit of God speaking to you? Only way you're going to know that is if you go through the process of development. See, when I jumped out of that airplane, I didn't know I was going to survive because the way I went out was violent, it was cold, it was freezing, it was turbulent. But the minute I hit and I heard the voice of the instructor, even though he was now about three, four, five hundred yards away from me, he wasn't shouting at me, I heard the voice of the training he'd taken me through before when I would jump out in a prepared, set environment, training me how to take control of the chute so that I didn't fold and crash. Because once that chute folds and it collapses, you Roman candle, you're dead. Especially at night. Because <laughs> you don't know where the ground is. It's like five, four, three, two, one, splat. That's how quick it goes. So you need to know how to hear the voice of the Spirit. Does this make any sense to you? I'm talking about God's process. He takes us through character development to teach us to speak a different language, to hear a different faith, to walk by a different way. Then he takes us through skill development to train us to hear correctly, to hear him. You know, it's kind of amazing when I travel around and I listen to Christians talk. And I hear the things they're going through, and all I hear is self-inflicted judgment, self-inflicted judgment. In other words, they knew the truth, but they did what they wanted to do anyway, and now they're paying the results. I hear so many people in relationship, in wrong relationships, they're not going to get what they're looking for, but they jumped in relationship because they had a need. And the bottom line is that's why we go through the things we go through. And don't forget, if you make a mistake like that in an area of relationship, that mistake remains with you all the way through. The pain is there to remind you of the mistake. And it's so funny how people hear and they have the pain in them and they still go make the same mistake again. And you would think that by now we've heard the voice of that instructor. Because the Bible says God's going to send us the Holy Spirit who's going to lead us into all truth. Am I right? It's so funny because, you know, you don't need just the church environment to hear the voice of truth. You can hear it anywhere. I often go, I mean, Starbucks is one of my greatest churches. I minister prophetically so many people in Starbucks. It's unbelievable. And it's not because I planned to set up a meeting there. It's just, as I'm standing, God speaks to me about someone in us. I say it to them. And most of the times they just fall to pieces. Because it's exactly what they need to hear. I was at a, a couple of weeks ago, I was waiting for a pastor friend of mine who was going to meet me for lunch at a, a burger joint. And uh, he called me and said, man, I'm going to be a half an hour late. So I just sat there. And um, when that happens, I always know God's got something up his sleeve. There's something that's going to unfold. Something. And the next moment, door blows open. In walks this guy. He's an internationally renowned teacher, the prophetic and all this sort of stuff. And very well known, written lots of books. And as he walked in, the Spirit of God spoke to me. So I heard. I knew what God was saying to me. So I said, well, I tell you what, God. If this man sits in this chair across the road from me, Facing me this way, I'll speak to him. God doesn't mind that you challenge him to do something because, you know, you need to test everything. Isn't that true? Test the spirits. Isn't that what it says? Because you don't know if who's speaking to you. It could be your head. It could be a, a rejection problem that speaks, oh, yes, this big known person. Maybe if I give him a word, maybe I'll get, you know. So you have to test the spirits. I said, well, Lord, if he sits there facing me, in this table, I will do it. He orders his stuff, walks around, walks around, walks around, gets his stuff, comes and sits right there. I thought, okay, God, I, I got this. Got the parachute, man. I'm hearing clearly now. <laughs> so I walk up to him and I said, hey, how are you? Do you remember me? No. I said, no, you don't remember me because when you saw me, my hair used to be long. I cut my hair. But this is who I am. And when you walked through the door, God gave me a word for you. And this was the word. 
He's brought you back here so that you can complete what you never completed when you were here. You left the process. You jumped out of the process. You went somewhere else. And now that's all failing. And now you've come back. And you have to start over. Now, it's not easy to tell a person of that stature that kind of word. Because people sometimes don't receive something that doesn't feel good. But I said, I understand that you will not receive this and you will not hear it. But let me tell you, if you do not hear what God is saying, I am the final messenger. Now, you've got to understand, saying that to somebody is kind of presumptuous. But, you know, I'm already out there airplane anyway. so <laughs> It's like, they can't step back, the plane is gone. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> but I said, if you... We'll hear what the Spirit is saying and doing. God would make this process painless. And a great door of opportunity will open to you. If you humble yourself. I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, that's just been common courtesy. I don't really know if you received it, but it's not my business. I'm just the mailman. I'm just delivering the letter. My next mission is to land. I'm not worried about if he receives it or not because the bottom line is if I delivered it in love, give him the opportunity to discern it. He needs to hear if that's right or not. So then my pastor friend walks in and says, hey, and he recognizes them and they talk and chat. So we sat down and he said, whew, what was all that tension? This man, I jumped out of the plane. He said, seriously? I said, yeah, I gave him a word. He said, what was it? And I said, he said, dude, you just don't know how right you are. I said, why? He said, that man is right now under scrutiny from the IRS, and he could go to jail for something like 25 years. He says, you are, and this guy said to me, he said, you're most probably the final messenger. He said, because so many people have spoken to him, and he's not heard the word. So you see, God can interrupt your day if you allow him to take you through the process, to develop the skill. Because listen, that's what you're called for. You're an arrow in God's quiver. You have a meaning and a purpose. You're called from the womb. You're called into God's purposes. You're not here today because you thought, well, it's a good idea. Let me just get Jesus, add him into my life. No. God purposed. It's not God's desire that any man should perish. It's God's desire that you're here today. It's God's desire that I'm here today. We may not understand it, but there are long-term ramifications to what we're doing right now. There's things that have been imparted into your life, and there are things that have been imparted into my life being right here. I'm a man of destiny. I believe it. I believe you are too. I don't believe you're here because uh, you didn't have anything else to do. I believe you're here because the Spirit of God guided you to be here at this point, to hear what I'm saying, because what I'm saying is important, because God is getting ready to do something profound. The world is getting ready to take a dive in a profound way. The church up to now has not been the voice of reason. The church has been the same as the voice of the culture. The church has not had a different sound to what the culture has. The church has spoken the same as the culture. That's why we are blind. There's not been a voice like Daniel that has been raised up in these days that can speak the things of God. That's why there's many men that have been in hiding. So the first thing to remember is God's process is first to bring character development is so that what you walk is the same thing that you talk. I'm so tired of Christians walking this way but talking something totally different to the walk. Remember when a guy says, I love you, my brother? You've got to watch out for the knife because you know you're going to be knifed somewhere along the line. Or am I wrong? No, seriously, a guy, well, I'm a Christian businessman, dude. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to take me for a ride somewhere, I'm sure of it. Because you have a fish in your car, doesn't mean to say that you're saved. That could be the car's fish. I've, man, I, I was at a traffic light one day with a lady, and she gave me the bird. I thought, Sit, what did I do? But I have that. happens to me many times. I just got that face. Throw a bird at this guy. <laughs> Serious. So I opened my window. I said, I'm sorry I don't have a cage to put that bird in. 
And when she pulled away, she had a fish in the back of her car. So because you have a fish in your car, it doesn't mean anything. That could be the car's fish. Your car could be saved. I don't know. So things aren't as they appear. That's why you need to have character development, is that your walk matches your talk. If you say to somebody, I'm going to be there for you, you need to be there. I was on a, traveling on a ministry trip one day, and I was going in the shuttle to the airport, going to a ministry in Arizona. And on, in the shuttle, God spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to cancel this ministry this weekend. And I said, God, why? The, the, it's been advertised. But all the stuff's been done. I mean, he said, I want you, are you my friend? I said, yes, I'm your friend. He said, I want you to cancel this ministry. I thought, oh, God, this is going to be very awkward. How am I going to explain it to the man on the other side who's waiting? Who's obviously put money into this thing, advertising and all that sort of stuff. He said, that's irrelevant. Are you my friend? I said, yes. And so, all right. So at the airport, when the guy was getting ready to drop me off, I said, well, when you finish this, would you mind taking me home? And he looked at me and said, you mean you just drove out to the airport to go home again? I said, I do that sometimes. <laughs> And on the way home, God started to speak to me. He dropped the name of a man in my heart. And he said, I want you to go to his house now, and I want you to speak to him. And I said, God, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. The guys must probably gone to work. He said, that's immaterial. I want you to go anyway. So I went home. I got in my car, and I drove to the man's house. I got to the house, and there was no cars. I said, you see, God, he's gone to work. He said, I want you to go knock on the door. Oh. Knock on the door. Man comes to the door, gun in his hand, and a bottle of alcohol in his other hand. And I knew why I was there. I said, hey, listen, give me the gun. Let's talk. And I said, I didn't know this, but the Lord led me there because the man was going to take his own life. I sat him down. I said, can you, can you imagine what this would do to your children? That they would walk forever, coming home from school, seeing your brain splattered against the wall of the house. Can you imagine how that would affect them? Can you live with yourself? He said, no, but the pain is so intense. I understand, but there is medication for that pain. And it's not alcohol. And it's definitely not a bullet. And I spent that whole morning ministering to this man and praying with him. Called his wife at work and told her to come home and sat down and minister to that couple. And it was relational problems in their marriage. And there was obviously something going on with her, with somebody else. And I sat her down. I said, this is what you need to do. So we sat down and we ministered. Spent the whole day ministering to them. But there was one thing that happened in that whole process. It's because somebody heard intelligently. A man didn't take his life and a family wasn't destroyed. Actually, a family was redeemed. See, isn't that what we are called to? Isn't that what God has put within us? then why is it not happening? Because there's daily people taking their lives all the time. Ten o'clock one night, the Spirit of the Lord woke me up. I, was, uh, I have a bad habit sometimes of watching TV and then I fall asleep. You don't do, you don't do that? I can put the TV on, man, I'm gone. <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> no, what it is about TV? It's like sleep therapy. <laughs> and I woke up... And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me once again as well. He said to me, I want you to go so-and-so. And get in my car and I go up there. Knock on the guy's door. No answer. House is dark. This young guy used to be a worship leader at a church that I ministered at. And he'd fallen into a lifestyle of cocaine. And while I was standing at the door of his house, God told me that he had taken an overdose and he was inside the house and that I needed to go in and rescue him. And I kicked the window and I went in and I found him on the bed. Overdose of cocaine. Called 911, got the cops there, took him to the hospital, saved his life. See, those are the kind of things. When you do that, when you hear God that clearly about something and you, and you go into a person's life like that, people know that God is real. People know that God's real. It's not just another religious experience. It's not just another message. That is the Spirit of God leading somebody to you in your time of need.
That is what we are. That is the most powerful demonstration of the kingdom. That young man, when I, when I did that, when I went in, I, I, look, I could have been arrested for breaking and entering. But I was prepared to risk it because the man's life was on the line. Today, he's a songwriter in Nashville. Lots of these top country western guys are singing his music. That would not have happened if I did not hear. Because he was well over. I mean, he was ready to go. Can you see what I'm saying? Why God has us as a church in the process? So that he can deal with us and bring us to the place of character development. So we can start walking what we talk. Bring us to skill development so we can start doing the gospel. That's the most important facet. And there's a bunch of others. There's two. I'll deal with those tonight. But I want to, I wanna, if I can just instill something in your heart right now today. Because I know we're going to minister some more tonight. Is think about this. Why are you where you are right now? Why are you going through the struggle that you're going through? It's not because the devil hates you. And yes, he does. But don't forget, the devil doesn't have authority to do what he wants. If he's, if he's, if he's allowed to touch you or do something in your life, it's because God has allowed it. Am I right or wrong? He couldn't just walk up to Job and touch him. God had to lift the hedge. <laughs> Everybody in the church blames the devil. Most of it is self-inflicted judgment. Most of what people are going through today, they did it to themselves. Then there came the third facet of my military training. And I relate the story quite well because this, if I can just use this for a minute. Genesis chapter 50, 19 to 20. Joseph said to them, that's his brothers, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Sometimes God will allow you to go into a situation that sets you up for failure. <laughs> you go to a job, you think, oh, hallelujah, I've been promoted, and you get fired. I've been there. <laughs> and you think to yourself, what was that about God? As God sets you up, puts you in a position. Sometimes you allow people to come into your life. They're just sitting at mixed tables. In other words, they live in the world, and they live partly in the kingdom. You allow people to come into your life because, you know, we're affected by our environment. Birds of a feather flock together. Bad company corrupts good morals. Sometimes you'll allow people to come to your life who look on the outside great, but on the inside are really corrupt. And you'll allow them to come to your life to see exactly how that's going to affect you. And I know it sounds ridiculous. Let me, let me just take you to my story in the military. When I finished my paratrooper training, now I was just not a regular army guy. Now I was a specialist. Then they took me to a special weapons school, the weapons of your warfare. And I remember in the training, the basic training, we learned to do everything, field strip a weapon and shoot and all the stuff, and we learned to become almost sniper perfection. And then what they did, they came to us one day in this massive big hangar. And they said, right, everything you've learned means nothing now. So they put a black hood over your head, take you by your feet, hang you up upside down, so now field strip your weapon. Now you're upside down, working against gravity, trying to use the same weapon. Now, I know it doesn't make sense to you as a civilian. You think, well, what, what for? Because if you can master your weapon in an upside-down environment, just imagine how good you can be in the right-side-up environment. What I mean by that is this. The world we live in today, out there, is upside-down. This world, the kingdom, is the right-side-up. When you start living in a right-side-up environment, you can be powerful in an upside-down environment. And as we're trained in this upside-down environment, we not only learn to field strip, but then what they do is they spin you. And so now field strip it. Now, of course, your head is out of the game long time ago because the bottom line is the minute you start spinning your head, coordination's gone. You're hanging upside-down spinning, field stripping you. You know, if you drop one part of that weapon, that weapon's useless. Once you get that down, then they said, you're right. There's a target on that wall there. Can you see it hanging upside down? Yes, I can see it. Spin you. Shoot at the target. Upside down. Everybody ducks. Because, <laughs> you know, that movie where they shot like this and the bullet swung, that's what you learn to do. You learn in an upside down environment to shoot. 
that weapon hit the target every time. Once that's all finished, they give you your enemy's weapon. And say, so now use that. The weapons of our warfare are mighty and strong. It's part of your most important thing is why you go through the process is for character development, skill development, spiritual development. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to use the weapons, the enemy's devices to battle the kingdom, but you need to be aware of how the enemy's devices work. You need to know how the enemy's devices work. Because if you're going to confront them, you need to know how to disarm them. You need to know how, what makes them function and what takes their functionality away from them. And that's what they taught us in specialization school. At the end of that school, I could do more damage with my enemy's weapon to him because I knew how that weapon worked perfectly. This is the problem with us Christians is we have no understanding of the weapons of the enemy, of the devices of the enemy. We have no understanding of the authority that he has in certain areas, especially in the flesh realm. And so what we do is we find ourselves in a place where we're battling something that we have no knowledge about. And we become bogged down and we have no power. We have no authority. And it's very important to know the aspects of truth of what God has called you to and what he's called you out of and what he's called you into. Because the things he's called you into are far greater than the things he's called you out of. But the enemy still has traps. He still has accesses in us as human beings. Like you look at Peter when Jesus said that you are the rock. And a couple of minutes later, Jesus had to rebuke Satan in him. What happened from the one minute when he got this prophetic revelation from God and the next minute Jesus had to rebuke Satan in him? There are gateways in our lives that we have no knowledge of that God will reveal to us in time. And he'll show us how to close those access points and those gateways so the enemy cannot penetrate us. Because that's what can happen. You can be one minute in the spirit perfectly, and the next minute you can be perfectly in the flesh. And you most probably wouldn't even know it unless the spirit of God revealed it to you. And that's what we have to learn to discern. Because, you know, there's power in the soul. A lot of ministry that goes on today within the body of Christ is soul power. You want to give you an example? Do you want me to give you an example? Okay. A couple of months ago, I was driving down the highway, and I remember saying to God, this process that God has had me in, in the last couple of months, the last couple of years, has been a very lonely process. I haven't, had, I haven't had relationships with people that I've had a relationship with in the past. Sometimes God allows things to happen to bring you, to isolate you. And I was riding down the road, and I said, God, I'm all alone. I really feel like I'm on my own. I'm in this... Massive, big, giant world. I feel like Daniel. I feel like I'm in this giant world that's going on outside me. I'm all on my own. I said, God, what are you going to do about this? I, I do talk to God sometimes. <laughs> and I was driving down the road, and I was really, I was deliberating and contemplating my future. I was really considering very much just packing up and going back home. Because I just said, I'm not really being functional. And I was just, reminiscing and telling God how lonely I felt in this situation. The next moment, there's a song comes on the radio. You are not alone. I am by your side. Have you heard that song before? Michael Jackson. <laughs> so I freaked out kind of in a way. Oh, Michael Jackson, God. <laughs> it's like, I mean, one do you use Tupac or somebody like that? <laughs> Michael Jackson. And God said to me, the gifts and the callings without repentance. That man wrote that song through his gift. And the gift was given by me. Even though he may have used his gifts for his own edification, they were still there, given by me to glorify me. So that music has, has the power, has reference, has the ability to do what it needs to do. Just the man has used it in the soulish realm. And uh, there's a guy who wrote a book a while ago called Watchman E. And he wrote a book called The Latent Power of the Soul. And what we see a lot of today in charismatic churches is soul power. Where men use their personalities to enforce something or to do something. 
but the personality doesn't have the longevity that the spirit does. When a man does something in the flesh, it is of the flesh. It cannot produce of the spirit. So when a man does something by the spirit, it is spiritual seed. It can do things in the spirit. And the church has not learned to discern between the two. Sometimes we do things in the flesh, thinking that God's going to promote it and make it spiritual, but there are two different kingdoms. And so we have to understand that we are fleshly, but yet we are spiritual. Everything that we have, the unction, the virtue we have, has to come from the Spirit. It can't come from us. A lot of people do things in the flesh and say, well, now I want God to bless it. No, He's not going to bless it because it's not by the Spirit. So we have to start getting to a place where we start recognizing that God's going to take us into spiritual development as well. Whereas, yes, He's given us gifts, but the gifts and the callings are without repentance. And there's, and I'm going to, and I don't mean to belabor this point, but I'll clear some more of it up tonight. You've heard the word where it says, Behold, all things are passed away, all things are new. And you know that when you come into the kingdom, God takes away the old heart the old mind, and he gives you a new heart, a new mind, and even a new body. And in Revelation, it says he, he writes your name upon a white stone, a name that only you and him know, so you have a new name. You have a new DNA. No longer are you the bone of your bone and blood of your blood, but you're the bone of his bone and blood of his blood. You, there's been a conversion, am I right? There's been a divine exchange. Most times, if people have not had that divine exchange take place in their life, they will be operating their ministry gift in the flesh rather than the ministry gift in their new nature, new character in the spirit. That's why God years ago stopped the charismatic movement. When the gift of discernment was released in the early days, and I think it was about the 60s, wasn't it? Charismatic movement. People were using the discernment for interest sake. I'll call her. Hey, you know, Courtney has some problems. We need to pray for her. You know, she's really got some problems. So we'd use the gift of discernment to uncover people. And instead of ministering to them by the Spirit, we'd use that to scandalize. And so what happened? God stopped and put a, put a short stay on the charismatic movement because men were using it in the flesh, rather than using it in the spirit. Sometimes God will give you a gift of discernment about somebody, but it's not to go and expose the person. It's not to go and confront them. It's to intercede for them. But we didn't do that because we don't have the spiritual development to know. You know, being that I've been called and operating the prophetic all my life, people say, well, why do you come to the church? Why don't you confront sin? Well, mercy triumphs over judgment and God is a merciful God and is a loving God and wouldn't you if you were in sin want God to be merciful with you wouldn't you if you were deluded wouldn't you want God to be merciful with you or would you want him to expose you publicly and make an, an incident so I always remember that how would I like God to treat me if I was in sin would I like God to publish it in the newspapers or would I like God to come into the secret place and say to me, I love you? See, this is where as a church we need to start developing spiritual gifts. Know how those things work. Know how those things work. It's much easier to win a man when you come to him in humility and you speak to him in love than to chastise him publicly. It's much easier to turn a man's heart when you appeal to the man and you know the truth. You can set a man free. So all I'm saying to you today is I know that God has got us all in a process because he wants to bring these virtues to the surface in the church. Because let me tell you, the church is really in a mess. It's in a mess. We're trying to accomplish things politically. We don't have authority. Where we should be accomplishing them on our face. We're trying to change the nation. Where God is allowing the nation to go into deprivation. We're trying to stop the process. It's going to happen anyway because the Bible says at the end we win. There has to be a confrontation between darkness and light. Which side are you going to be on? Where are you going to be? Are you going to allow God to take you through the process so that you can be spiritually viable 
or you're going to allow yourself to become soulishly viable where God is going to have to deal with you. That's a hard line here. So all I want to do is start this conversation today and speak to you about, you need to understand the journey that you're on has to do with the assignment. The assignment I believe today that God has for the church is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Make disciples of men. That means disciple means discipline. The basic reason that I think God put me in the military when he did. And I was in the military for 12 years and I was involved with the special forces, South African military, Rhodesian and Israeli military, was to bring me into a disciplined lifestyle to prepare me for where I am today. Because I can live a disciplined lifestyle because I've been trained to live a disciplined lifestyle. Because things are not working out of my way, I don't lose my temper and say, God, well, you can have this. I do get discouraged sometimes, but I don't lose my marbles. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't go and get drunk and get smashed and do something crazy. I'd love to, but I don't like alcohol. <laughs> but what I do is I take the things that I feel, the pain, these things that I have within my physical body because things aren't happening, I take that and I go and sit before the Lord and I say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. And you know, the funny thing is Jesus dealt with all those same things himself. Betrayal, disappointment, disillusionment, accusation, all those things we go through. So we're in the process to become more Christ-like. So we're going to start this conversation today and we're going to do some more tonight. And I'm going to pray and minister and prophesy over some of you if that's okay with you. But I want you to think about what I'm saying in the rest of the day. Just go away and think about it. Think about where you are in the process with God. Where... What is he trying to show you? Are you in character development? Are you in skill development? Are you in spiritual development? Which area is he working on? And then you make a request to the Lord. Say, God, if these are the areas that I'm working on, then would you confirm it by your word? Would you speak to me? Would you declare to me? Because, you know, one of the most important things I believe in the church today is we do need to have a prophetic voice. Because, you know what? If God's nature was to create by speaking, then our nature should be to create by speaking. God didn't create by thought. He said, let us create man. We have today the power in us to speak the things of God from the mind of God to the people of God. And you don't create unless you speak. And so we need to find out what God is speaking. We need to speak those things so they can start being created in the hearts of men. The only reason why I go and do the things I do is because I know that one word can change a man's life much greater than a thousand dollars. I've seen it time and time and time and time again. One word, because the word, the Bible speaks about it being the pleroma, the filling up of all things in Christ. The word is the beginning, is the access point, is the axiom, is the middle, it's the truth of what God is doing. So we need to hear the word. We need to know the word. And I'm not just talking about this word. I'm talking about the audible word. We need to be able to hear the rhema word of God. We need to be able to know what God is saying. Most people battle with that because they don't believe. But seriously, God is speaking because he says, my, my sheep hear my voice. So having started this conversation this morning around this process, know this, that God has you in a process because... He has his own desire to bring you into the fullness of Christ. That's his nature. That's his desire. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. So you need to resign yourself to the fact that God's desire is for you to be Christ-like. And uh, that's why Paul, he said, why are you kicking against the gods? Because the bottom line is no matter what you do, at the end of this whole picture, at the end of this day, when the day closes for your life, you will be Christ-like. That doesn't sound like a good thing, does it? <laughs> you see, this is an environment where we can equip you. But the Bible says that you're going to be doing the work. See, the concept is, well, the pastor's going to do the work. No. You. We're equipping with the fivefold ministry, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, apostle, equipping the saints to do the 
work of the ministry to bring people into the unity of the Spirit and into a sound mind or into the mind of Christ. That's what our job is, to bring you to this place where you become the hands of Jesus, the feet, the eyes, the mouth, the ears. So that's the good news. You don't look happy. <laughs> don't worry. So I call the spiritual development part being qualified for service. I know when I trained in the military, I had a, I had a team of seven guys. We went through a 12-year war. Yeah, we got shot, we got scrap, shrapnel, we got injured, but we weren't killed. We would land in a landing zone on a helicopter and we wouldn't even talk. We'd know exactly how each other moved. It would be a symphony. I was the youngest. When I went to the military, I was only 16. Most boys are still in their mother's homes back then. I was leading men that were twice my age. Why? Because it was a call of my life. And I, was, I could just bring them together. It just was natural. It just happened. And there was times we went into battle when I knew, and I didn't know the God, I didn't know the Spirit, but I knew what was wrong, and I knew what was right. And I led those men. And that's what you have today, is you have the call on your life to lead people out of darkness into light. And you know, I never really went to seek for Jesus. I never had a desire in my heart to know Him. Because I grew up in an atheist household. My mother was a Jew. My dad was an atheist. We didn't even have a Bible. God fell on my life one day. It was a, to me, it was a total accident. I wasn't seeking. I was happy. I was great. I, was just, I just signed a contract to go on a mercenary trip. And God fell on my life. Boom. Intervened in my life and changed everything about me. I mean, I was going this way and then I was look, that way. I didn't choose this. I really didn't. If I had a choice, I would have been a doctor. God chose me. There's many days I said, are you sure you made the right choice? So, I'm just sharing with you my life experience, what I've been through, where I am, what I'm doing. I'm not religious. I actually hate religion. I have more contention in my life with religion because religion hates me. Because I speak the truth. If there are things in the Bible, if the Bible says, Matthew 18, if you have ought against your brother, go to him, and a person doesn't do it, and they come to me, I want to knock him in the jaw. <coughs> Fivefold ministry. Because <laughs> if you have a problem with your brother, don't tell me about it. You're going to tell him. Go and fix it up. And the minute you come tell me, then I'm part of your problem. Then what I've become is I become involved. Remember that birds of a feather? Before I know where I am, I'm in, I'm in situations where God's going to deal with me because of, you know, women need to grow up, man. There's a war going on out there. People are dying. And we have a responsibility for this culture and this generation of this age. So I pray that you just hear what I'm saying in this conversation with you. And I mean, look, you know, just let the Holy Spirit share with you what's, what he wants to share with you out of this picture. But I know that God has more for you than what you believe you have for yourself. And we'll come back this evening. We'll have fellowship. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll get some time tonight. We'll just minister to some people. And we'll just encourage you and just release some things into your life for God to be able to equip you. Bring you to that place of growth and excitement. Because we are going into really exciting days. Just depends on which side of the coin you're on. <laughs> If you're on the wrong side of the coin, it is going to be very exciting. If you're on the right side of the coin, it's going to be more exciting to see God do some miracles. Because I believe God is going to do some incredible miracles in these days. I do believe it. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would brood upon the water of the deep. And that you would bind the hearts of the saints to the word of God. That you would anoint them. That, Father, any form of uh, question... That the enemy would not steal the seed if it had fallen onto fallow ground, but that the seed would take root, it would grow, and it would accomplish what was sent forth to do in, these, in the hearts and lives of these people. Pray that there would 
be no retaliation, no backlash, no contradiction. They'll be sealed with the blood in their lives. And I pray today for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon them. In Jesus' name. Amen. like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy